Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Iwana Alfonso. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, she has shared the stage with artists like Jennifer Lopez and Ricky Martin. She made her Broadway debut as an original cast member in Wicked, was in 9 to 5 on Broadway, was an associate director for Kenny Leon's Top Dog Underdog on Broadway, and her most recent work includes Bob Fosse's Dancing on Broadway. Please welcome Iwana Alfonso. How are you? Thank you for joining me. And first of all, I have to say I am so like heartbroken about uh, your current show. I talked to Tony last week. Yeah. And I just like, it deserves more attention. Like the amazing, the incredible dancers that they put on stage in one show. Like you all are Broadway. I feel like. Yeah, it's definitely, um, we are heartbroken as well. Uh, it's a lot of work. Um, and it's been over a year of um, getting it to this place. Um, so it's always really sad. But I think this one is particularly sad. Uh, because um, I think it just shows how easily dance can get overlooked yep. um, and how we are getting to a place in our theater culture where I think we are kind of worshiping the celebrity to a degree. Oh, definitely. And um, only paying attention to um, like shiny things like, you know, and this, this, this is not a commentary on um, the other not, you know, the people who were nominated, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. being deserving or not, um, they're certainly deserving. It's just that I, I feel like they, the committee maybe didn't see, um, what we see and what a lot of people see and what the dan dance community sees, um, so yeah, so it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking. And these are some of the most special people I've ever worked with. Um, and I think that Fosse's material is um, really complex and a joy to work on. Uh, so it's sad, it's, it's very sad. And I hope that this doesn't um, affect how these types of shows uh, come to Broadway in the future. I hope that producers are not scared to do it again or that it doesn't influence um, decision makers to shy away from doing work like this. Um, you know, because we're kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again on Broadway right now. And I think that-, that And there's a lot of revivals and stuff right now. And it's-, it's Yeah, but also revivals done in the exact same yeah. one. So it's, you know- yeah same show different costume kind of a thing um, at least from from my perspective and again not to diminish what people are doing i just think that um, i really believe that the talent and that means everybody from the producers to the directors to the performers to the creatives there's so much talent that can do more and i'm just i hope that uh the theater industry really um starts to shift a little bit 
um, in terms of taking some chances and building things that are um, different and new and um, thought provoking. And so, um, yeah, that I, that's where, where my brain is right now. I'm trying to process um, that thought process. Like um, I, I just want it to have a place. I want our type of show to yeah. have space. Um, and you know, I, I've been around for a really long time. So I, I've done a lot of things. And sometimes you are a part of projects that you kind of get an inkling. You're like, well, you know, we, we didn't succeed at this. And sometimes that happens. Um, this is not that. Like, I don't feel that way about this show. I think that this show um, is really fun, is really uh, excellent. Every, everyone that comes to see it is um, gives nothing but positive feedback in a genuine way, because that's the thing too, like people come and, you know, sometimes they blow smoke, but it just, it feels very genuine. And I know that people have been very moved and they've seen themselves on that stage. And we've made a point of putting a lot of diversity out there and um, having people be seen, um, dancers be seen in front and center, which I think is very important. Um, With the lights so, in the back too. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I think that that, um, that deserves to continue. So I hope that it does. Oh, for sure, for sure. And like you all act through dance, which is incredible. You all do stuff a lot of people can't, like a lot of actors are like, well, I don't know if I can do the dance part that well. And right, but also we act with words and we sing. So yeah. it's just dance, which I think is the point of the of the play, right? Is that like yeah we can do everything multiple things um and and it's a beautiful thing to celebrate and important for the community to recognize um i think we're a oh long way gosh, from yes um unfortunately i think that we are we are a lot of work needs to be done to celebrate for the sure. people that normally get to only sit in the background that get yeah that get overshadowed yeah for sure undervalued as well yeah it yeah which is which like is heartbreaking you all are the core of broadway honestly in my opinion mm. i agree yeah broadway can't happen without you all mm -hmm. so i'm gonna get back into dancing later yeah. but uh, first of all your resume and your biography is insane and i wish i had like five hours to discuss it so have you always known you wanted to be a performer um and when was the moment you realized that you did um you know i've never really thought about this question until recently um when they've been asking it a lot during press um i don't i don't know that there was really like a moment where i was like this is like my future necessarily. I do, I have been picking one moment when I um, moved to Miami. So I lived, I was born in New York City and that's a long story, but I was born in New York City. I lived in the Dominican Republic for about a year and then my oh. parents got divorced and then I moved to Puerto Rico and then I lived in Puerto Rico till I was about maybe 10 or 11, right? And so I started in Puerto Rico at the National Ballet School there, which was 
run by some like Russian expats and it was a beautiful, very sweet, like no air conditioning, romantic, like, like studio building, like on a hill and like, you know, down, down the hill, there were like training Pasofino horses and like, it was just like this beautiful thing. Wow. And I just remember it as being this kind of, um, I don't know, as a young girl, like a magical like place where I could hear this beautiful music and there were flowers everywhere and the ballerinas were like, you know, the company would be rehearsing whatever, Giselle, and they would be in their like rehearsal tutus and point shoes and whatever. And so like, I remember being kind of enamored by that. I also took these classes with my best friend. So like there was that idea. I was getting really good training because um, just serendipitously because it was the National Ballet and it was run by these Russian ballerinas. Like I was getting good training. I was initially put in there by my mom because um, my family, my my dad especially like has, uh, we call it for fun, like suedicus bacticus, but it's like a sway back. Um, and she wanted to like make sure that my posture was better than that. And so I started that way, but, and, and then it was like really magical and I loved it. But then when we moved, when I was 10 or 11 and we moved to Miami, you know, it wasn't something that I necessarily like carried with me in terms of like, I think that I was in love with like the, the process of it and the environment and my friendships and all of that more than I was um, necessarily looking at it from the perspective of like dance being something that like was possible for me. Um, I was super young, so I just wasn't thinking in that way. And then when we moved to Miami, my parents were busy doing other things and moving us around. And um, so like a year or so went by, I think, before we went to, this is the moment that that I've been bringing up a lot that I had to think about because I had totally forgotten about it, but we went to this like, I feel like it was like a festival of some kind or something. And, and I think it was in a place in Miami called Bayside, which is where they hold all these like outdoor events and stuff like that. There was a stage, they had like all these, you know, things going on. And I remember seeing a dance company there um, I don't remember what it was called at the time, but it was Mia Michaels like company. And she was like an up and coming, like young choreographer. And I just, I do remember watching that and saying, I want to do that, like whatever that is. Um, Because I felt like it was so electric and um, I just loved it. Now, so I do remember that. And then my mom just kind of asked around to anybody that she knew in this like new city, what studio, like what's the best studio? Where should she go? And so we went to a studio. And as my mom was talking to the receptionist, who I later found out was Mia's mom, um, I, because they owned the studio, I looked into like the, the studio had two studios like back to back you had to go through one studio to get to the back studio and so in the reception area there was just one door right and the door was open and i looked in and i saw mia and i was like ah this is it like this is the place this is where we need to be it's meant to be Um, yeah and so i ended up going there and then that like you know, I don't believe in coincidences, coincidences necessarily. Like then I ended up 
being then Mia became Mia Michaels, the choreographer. Um, but before that, you know, we were studying with her and, you know, she basically took me under her wing at a very young age. Um, so I, I studied with her there. I mentored with her there. They became basically like family to us. They would pick us up from school, like, you know, um, and so I grew up in that environment that later became uh, sort of like the 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 catalyst for everything else that happened after that. Like, that's how I got into the art school because Mia thought it was a good idea and she helped me get in and I would assist her in the summers when I was very young. So I started, you know, around 15 and, you know, we would go around, you know, the country and the world and then I joined her company and then I went to NYU. So I think that it like, that is the moment I would say was like the the trigger point that kind of sped off from there. But I don't know that I had a moment in that time where I had sort of like that, that reflection of like, oh, this is what I'm doing. It was just kind of, like this is fun. It was like I'm he I'm here and I love it. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep doing it like until I don't love it. But I don't know that I thought to myself until much later when I had to decide whether or not I was going to college. I think that's the moment that I was like, okay, am I doing this as a thing or like what am I doing? Yeah, like what is this? Do I want to yeah. And so I made that choice, but it was more like a practical choice. Like, am I going to school or am I not going to school? Am I dancing or am I not dancing? Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it's it's kind of like a very vague. I know some other people have moments where they're like, ah, I saw this movie and like, that was it. I don't know yeah. that I have that necessarily, but I did have that one moment that kind of like triggered other moments. Well, I feel... I mean, I feel like just like watching people <laughs> on stage, you get inspiration from those other people. And you're like, that is so cool what these like older kids are doing. Right. I want to be like them. Right. Yeah. Which is so cool. And also, I was going to say when you were like talking about deciding about college, I'm like, it's always crazy to me because you're deciding all this at 18 or like 17 and or in 16 and you're still a kid at that point. Oh, 100%. And you're yeah. deciding what you want to do for the rest of your life at that moment, pretty much. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the, like, I guess, I, I think people are like taking their time a little more now, Yeah, but it's so rushed. For... I also tell people that, you know, it doesn't have to be forever. It's like, you know, I think there's this pressure to say, like, this is what you're going to do forever. Yeah. Like, well, you don't have to. It's just like what makes your heart sing right now? Because as long as you follow what makes your heart sing and what makes you feel like that electricity or that like vi that vibration, that's going to lead you to what you need to do. And sometimes life, what I've learned now that I'm a little older is that life kind of takes you, I had no intention of being on Broadway. Like it wasn't on my radar, like at all. Um, but life just kind of does that, you know, and as long as you're doing the thing that you love, the thing that you love might turn out to be something different. So you could follow, in my case, let's say like I could follow the dancer path but the dancer path could have led me to med school. I mean, you don't really know, right? Like, it, but as long as you follow that, I feel like that's where you belong in the moment. 
and the things that you learn from whatever path you take are very much related to your next path. So, you know, I work with a director, Kenny Leon, who um, is incredible and you would never know that like, he's actually a lawyer. Like he went to law oh school. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, and I have friends that like went to school for communications or whatever, you know, and they ended up, so it just, or vice versa, they start out in dance and they end up somewhere else. So I, I think that that's a really good point and, and um, important to like take the pressure off if you are that age and choosing things that there's no definitive anything. You can change your mind at any moment and it is okay. Oh, um, yes. In you, fact, you're always learning. Yeah. Change yeah. It's totally fun. Yeah. And you draw new inspiration from like things you see in the world every day. Right. Yeah. So, before I get into Broadway and like what led you to Broadway and your Broadway debut, which huge show teaser, but um, I want to talk about, um, so you've done a ton of dance stuff and I couldn't narrow a question down to just like one particular thing on your resume. So I wanted to ask, um, is there a particular non-Broadway piece of choreography that has been your favorite? like ever and why? Wow, that's a really good question. Non-Broadway piece, there are so many. There, there are really so many that I admire. So I don't know that I can narrow it down to one like particular one. You but can pick I can, multiple. But I can tell you, yeah, I can tell you, um, I love William Forsythe's work. Um, and always have, I think it's um, exciting and innovative and really beautiful. Um, and I had the privilege of learning some when I was at NYU and it was just, I like things that are challenging and um, athletic and I just, I, I loved doing it and I love watching it. Um, I also really, really admire the work of the Batsheva company. Um, I think that it's super moving and um, tells a story through dance that I think um, is really beautiful and really I, that I personally really connect to. Um, I would say that recently um, there's, a, there's a choreographer whose name is Akram Khan who um, I think is so fascinating and um, theatrical and emotional. So I guess that like for me, the things that I'm most drawn to, Pina Bausch, I think the things that, are, that I am most drawn to have um, a feeling of like uniqueness or a a particular voice that is both authentic and um, specific to that person or group or genre, but also has the ability to um, connect very deeply to a larger, broader audience and um, has a universality to it. Um, 
I love going to see um, performers that feel fully engaged. And I think that those choreographers require the performers to be their fullest selves. So they are physically present, but they're also taking risks, which means that they're breathing and they're acting and they are um, experiencing the moment um, in a very like, uh, I keep using this word electric, but it's like I'm drawn to things that feel like um, spontaneous in the moment. Um, you know, even a really beautiful, like traditional ballet piece, like Giselle is my favorite ballet. If it's done in a way that feels um, like it's tapping into uh, like our souls and where I feel like the performers are taking risks and it feels like um, unsafe in a way and not unsafe like in a dangerous way but like unsafe, yeah. like I don't know like like it's a mystery kind of I just feel it just feels um otherworldly then then I'm into it um and if it's making me think and feel and engages me um emotionally like that's you know so those choreographers that I mentioned a lot of the time that's why I'm drawn to them and why I feel connected to um their work i think yes and also like akram khan is like epic i don't know if you like we we just saw him and his company at um world his company not him at bam and it was like i've definitely heard of him it was so epic and like grand it was like operatic and it's um kind of very I different feel. than Bausch, but like you know, with Pina Bausch, there's like suddenly like rain and, you know, and so I, I love that about her, but with Akram Khan, it was just the sets are huge and the music is um, intense and the performers are um, grand. Like there's just something where they're using every cell of their body, <clears throat> even or if they're totally still. So I don't know that I need more movement, but I do, there's something about one <coughs> being um, where every cell of their body is vibrating um, and connected. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> All good. So I want to ask. Um, I noticed also. Uh, it's always a question I've kind of like had in the back of my head, like for like dancers on stage with like singers that I've gone to see. So I noticed like Jennifer Lopez and Ricky Martin on your resume too. Yeah. What is it like getting to be part of like shows or performances for these people as a dancer? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. Every, um, I'm just looking up that I'm, that I, pronounced Akram's name right yes um just wanted to make sure uh you know it's a very different experience so like I feel like the theater experience is very different than the concert dance experience which is very different from the commercial dance experience um in commercial dance it depends on the particular project that you're doing um 
and the individual that is running it and how they perceive the people that they work with. So I think it's very individual to the person. Um, you know, if you're on tour with, I don't know, name an artist, like if you're on tour with Lizzo, then maybe your tour experience is, um, and I don't know this because I haven't been on tour with her. I have a friend that's on tour with her, so I could probably ask, but um, she seems to be someone who is connected to her performers. And so I think that when you, when you have that experience, you are living sort of this, hopefully, this like uh, tour life, which if it's a very well-known celebrity large artist, a lot of the times you get put up in like really beautiful hotels, you get to see the world. So on a personal level, you're getting an experience that you're really growing from as an individual. And then when you're performing with someone who, I use Lizzo because I think, um, I just saw some documentary that she did and it seems like she's involved with their dancers. Maybe it feels um, like your purpose in the show is a little bit more um, important or connected. And so you're having more of like a family experience versus just like a, a you're a, part of the puzzle experience. Um, and in those cases, then you're having something that I would consider is closer to a theater experience because you do build like a small family. And so the performance aspect of it um, is, is more uh, emotionally connected. Um, and then those shows are bigger, more um, elaborate oh, yes. commercial shows. And so there's a lot of um, distance for the performer um, as background. So I would say that the difference for me is that it's, it's even more clear that you are there to support the artist the majority of the time and that you're a part of the tapestry of what's happening um so it becomes a little bit more technical it's like these are the steps i have a performance value that i need to bring to the table you know watch out for that pyrotechnic right there's do your change you know so it's a little bit different in that way um oh, i can't imagine that'd be scary to like have to like, learn the blocking to not um, run into the fire on stage. Yeah, I mean, they're very safe and you, you know, you run through it and, and you have a certain distance that you have to keep from certain things, but it's just a bigger like production. Um, and it only happens like it, you know, you're not doing eight shows of that a week. You're doing one, two, maybe three, um, like at most, uh, depending on the tour and depending on the person. So I think that that experience, the commercial experience is very much dependent on the person and how they treat their performers and their dancers, as well as the type of tour that it is. Um, so for me, you know, when I did a couple of things for JLo, it was very early on in her career as a singer. It was like when she came out with On The Six. So things were still very new for her, even though she was established as a as an actress um, 
and you know I think she had a couple restaurants at the time and stuff like that this was kind of new still and so there was that element of um we didn't we weren't we didn't build that bond or that relationship with her in particular because there was a lot going on and she was trying to navigate from a distance like navigate all of the thing all of the things that were happening and all of the push that needs to happen in the beginning that is oh, different yeah. you know it, it's different it evolves right so like beyonce's tour now is going to be different than the very first one in terms of um her ability to take up space in the room um with that said i think like the technical aspect would be that you um you know, you audition, there's like tons of people there. Um, it's very exciting. Um, there's an excitement and a thrill to it that is um, very different than um, and any other part of the things that I mentioned. Like there's something about dancing with a, with a musical artist that is, you know, explosive and fun and like, you know. Especially someone you know. There's a fun element to it that I think is different than you know trying to put together a piece like a bob bossy musical where you know you're going deep into like the work and the technique and the the you know um the man himself this is more like how um how well can we entertain and how can i rise to the challenge of whatever the um vision for this particular performance is um so it's different. I don't know if that any of that makes sense, but it's it's just a completely different experience. Well, I feel like even like on stage with like some giant pop star, like rock star or whatever, like in a, on a stadium tour, if you take away the dancers, it's not fun as an audience member to like go and see this production put on because yeah. it's just like one person on a huge stage by themselves yeah and I mean I guess it would depend on like the concept and the artist and you know so I do think that dancers bring a, another element to to it all when it's appropriate and when it's you know done well yeah it's so it's so fun like I think um I think of like Taylor Swift stadium tours, which I don't have tickets for this, this time yet, but like all her dancers, I think make a huge impact on like how entertaining her shows are. Yeah. And she's a good example of somebody I haven't toured with her, but I have a lot of friends that have, and she's a good example of somebody who really um, is connected to her performers. And so they do become um, like a small family. Um, yeah, that that changes the experience somewhat because then you're not it's not just about the production or about the, you know, the entertainment aspect of it. You're also up there sharing the stage with, you know, friends, basically. Yeah. So it, ch it changes the vibe of it a little bit. Having fun. So you mentioned that Broadway was not in your like initial plan and wasn't in your thought process. But your Broadway debut was in a little show that people might know called Wicked. <laughs> so when, how did you get involved in Wicked, first of all? And what did you know about the show at the time that you got involved? Because it was brand new. Yeah. Um, so 
my my journey to Broadway was that I was working um I was doing like I was focusing on concert work I had gone to NYU I was working with Mia Michaels and I and I was also doing a lot of commercial work so I was doing you know stuff in LA and I was um kind of just like what I would say like like gigging and I was I was so young that I was just kind of going wherever the wind took me and I was lucky enough that it was consistent enough that um I didn't have a plan if that makes any sense um like step by step day by day yeah it was like oh I'm gonna do oh you know this job came in for the next like month oh you know this job and so I was lucky that I was working all the time and so I didn't in different areas right so like one one month I would be working with an artist or the next month I would do like a couple of industrials or the next month I would, you know, be working with, you know, rehearsing with um, like a concert dance company or what, you know, I was just kind of like floating around. But at a certain point in that trajectory, and I can't pinpoint exactly when, Broadway started to shift a little bit, at least from my perspective. And I don't know if this is true or not, but from my perspective, when The Lion King opened, oh. there was a huge influx of um, modern dancers of color. And so a lot of people in my circle were doing, you know, things like Lion King, um, Aida crept up. And so I started to talk to or be around friends that were getting consistent paychecks and making a nice living and getting health insurance and doing all of these things that were very like a very appealing um as a dancer especially like oh i can do like what i love to do and what i've been trained to do and like make a living like you know that was like revolutionary to me because I always thought of Broadway as being something that like, I just didn't have the training or interest for. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I also, around that time, and I would say like, n none of it is linear. So it's like, it's oh, not yeah. like a month before, it could be like six months before, a year before. I also, you know, so my, so first my friends were introducing me to sort of like what they were doing in their world. And then I had worked with Wayne a bunch before that. And he's always been a champion for me. He's known me since I was like, he told me later, which I didn't even know that he had seen me um, at a bunch of like dance competitions when I was a kid. And oh. he always had an, out, an eye out for me, which I, I didn't know until later when he was oh. like, no, I remember you, you did this number and it was like X, Y, and Z. And I was like, what? Um, <laughs> How do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, it's really sweet. And so, I was in the world of, you know, um, and I started to like dip my toes into theater auditions. Um, I was lucky when I was 15, maybe older than that, I don't remember. But when I was very, very young, uh, I was working with Mia and she took me out to LA to perform a solo at some event, I don't remember. 
And after that event, um, an agent, a well-known agent asked me if they could represent me. And so I was lucky to have an agent wow. very early on um, without knowing what the heck was going on. Like it just kind of happened. Yeah, that is, you're like, what, it, what, what, is, what is an agent? <laughs> that, that agent at the time, you know, cut to like a couple years later, she had been helping me with other things, but she started to like say, oh, this is going on and like try this and try that. And so it was definitely a learning curve to figure out like, oh, I have to sing and like, I've never done that. And I have to get a book together. And like, what does that look like? And God, it was so bad in the beginning. Um, so bad. Uh, well, you're and, learning something completely new. So it's like, it's a process. Yeah. And so all to say that I end up at this audition for Wicked, I think because everyone and their mother was auditioning. So um, the casting office probably, I think probably called my agent or my agent submitted me. I don't really know, but I ended up at this call. Um, I also, um, Corinne has been a, a longtime friend of mine. So I think that she was looking out for me a little bit. She was um, Wayne's assistant at the time. And Wayne, of course, knew me. So I think it was like a combination of things that like led me to audition for the show. And then we had you know, like any other show, we had several rounds of auditions where we, you know, danced and sang and I just booked it. And then I was just there. Um, and then, you know, you, you learn as you go. Like I remember my first rehearsal was the table read and wow, I just, um, when you I, like, I had never experienced anything like that in my life, and I was like, "Wow, I, I didn't know that I was stepping into this." Right. Like I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do a show, and you know, it'll be like another any other gig that I've done, except that there's like actors and singers and whatnot, and this will be fun." Like you know, I was so excited. Like I was so, so many of my friends had been hired too, so I was going into the project already knowing a few people in it. Um, and then the table read happened and Kristen and Adina, uh, I mean, I was like, what is happening? Like, where you were like am I in this room? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't know that I had, I don't think anybody really had like the foresight to, to think like that, like Wicked was going to become anything at all. Like, I don't think it was about that. I think it was more like, holy cow, like these this is beautiful. Like, wow, this is special. I knew that it was special and beautiful um, in that moment. And what was going to come of it, I have no idea. I mean, there were many points in that process where we thought like the show wasn't going to be good at all. Like there are many points in that process where we oh my. were like actively looking for other work because we were like, this is what's happening. I don't know what's happening here. To think that and that really opened and it was like a huge hit. And like, we had no, like people always are like, when did you know it was a hit? I was like, Oh, when we opened <laughs> when the applause lasted for like 30 minutes no I'm kidding no it was like I think it was pretty soon after that at the stage door I think that we knew mm -hmm. like the stage like door exploded um much to everyone's surprise and so I think we were like wow I guess I guess people like it who knew how soon did people come to like stage door like 
and paint themselves I in green and stuff. Oh, paint themselves green? Oh, I don't know. I mean, pretty soon. I mean, I feel like that's after you know. the, yeah, I don't, I can't say that I remember specifically, but I remember that the way that the stage door exploded was like unreal. Yes. It, I feel like it's a very specific demographic because it was all like preteen to teen girls. You know, there were other people. But it definitely was that at first. Now it's like across the board, but in the beginning it was like that demographic, young women. Yes. So what is it about Wicked that you think has made it like I mean that you think made it skyrocket first of all and become that popular and that has kept it that popular over all these years like it's still fresh and new I feel like every time you see it yeah um I think it's a combination of things I think that it's a solid book um and the songs are just brilliant and beautiful um and I think that our director, Joe, like, it's just like a masterpiece of directing in the way that he weaved everything in and out and made sure that the story made sense. And we went through so many iterations of making sure that um, the story, even though it's a sort of like fantasy that it still is grounded in a lot of truth and in a lot of um, humanity that we can connect to. So I always felt, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, this is just my own personal opinion, but I always felt like as a director, and actually Wicked is what got me interested in acting because I was watching the way that they were working and it was always, um, you know, very, it was all about truth and all about um, seeking out like real script analysis, like beautiful work being done about like, oh, we don't need that. We need this. That doesn't make sense. I don't follow this. Um, I think that it was a really, we were given the space collaboratively to um, create in that room as well. So, you know, so we've got a great book and great songs. We've got a director who's brilliant and looking for truth in everything that is being done. And that then gives the audience the opportunity to feel like they are inside of it and like they can see themselves into it because truth is truth and it's universal. Um, and that the storyline was tight and that you could follow it and that it moves quickly and that it doesn't you know, dip at any moment. And then we were given the freedom, whether you were a performer who was a dancer or whether you're a performer that was more of a singer or whether you were one of the leads, you were given permission to play in the room. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, you know, I remember, I mean, Kristen, Kristen is like a genius uh, comedian. And yes. so a lot of what Linda does in the show came from Kristen just being fun. Be and allowing herself to be creative in the room and the same with all the other leads you know and um adina is just like a force you know and um 
And then the same with the dancers where I think that Wayne creates a room where no matter what show I've ever done with him, he creates a room where people, he trusts you and he lets you know that and um, is your biggest fan. And so you feel like, you know, there were many, many moments where he would come up and say, you know, hey, so I got to go fix something over there or like deal with like a moment over there. What I need from you guys over here, like, you know, me and, you know, my dance partner, Andy, let's say, um, he would say something like, I need, I on count eight, I need something to explode and I need it to go up. So I need you guys to do some sort of lift that goes up. And then he would say, you good? We'd say, yeah. And then he'd walk away and we would create something wow. that felt right to us. And so A, it makes it fun and creative, but B, it's also what feels good on your body. So it probably looks better because it's organic to you. Um, and then Wayne just really has a fantastic eye for, Wayne and Corinne for, you know, staging and transitioning and keeping the movement um, going and keeping it exciting and keeping it new. Um, so I think like all of those factors and then wrap that in a bow that is about um, not judging a book by its cover, um, hope, friendship, powerhouse women, um, you know, you, you wrap it into all of those like bigger themes that I think people are really connected to. Um, and I think that all of those things together are, you know, and then like even the costumes, like Susan Hilferty made like brilliant, insanely gorgeous costumes, lighting. I mean, it's like, there's not one peg in the puzzle, puzzle that is, um, kind of off, you know, it kind of all, which is, you know, honestly, um, kind of a miracle when that happens. And it's just, sometimes it's serendipitous. You can't plan it. Um, I always put like the directors and sometimes the producers at the top of that list, because at the end of the day, they are in charge of saying, you know, I, you know, even though we have, let's say like brilliant, a brilliant costume designer, it still takes the director to say, I like that, but I don't like this. I need that, but we need to edit that. I mean, we had costumes out of town um, that were totally scrapped, that were totally wrong for um, Oz Dust. Oz Dust. They're totally different. And then they came up with a totally new concept for Broadway. So it takes, you know, it takes leadership and it takes somebody to steer the ship. Yes. And then it also takes like a whole village of people that are willing to trust that leader and then also have the creative talent and capacity to fulfill the needs of that particular show. Yes, it has it's to be a like- perfect storm of things. It has to be like simultaneously, I feel like like a puzzle piece working together, but also a family. For sure. Because like- For you better, have to, of course, yeah. Because you have to like have people, I feel like when you watch Wicked 2, there's something about like you see everyone performing on stage, like love what they're doing and love each other mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Which kind of goes along with the theme of the show and the and friendship. Yeah, well theater, you know, theater is interesting in that way. It's like 
that synergy is definitely important, even even when it's not always, you know, like any like any really tight, good family, there are moments of discord. Oh yes, <laughs> how that discord is handled that I think makes the difference. So it's not like it's always like we love each other and it's like I love this, but it's definitely at that very first company was very, very special. And that's also another like serendipitous moment of um, people coming together at the right place and at the right time. Um, but it's also like the nature of having to be in a show and sometimes um, so I would say that the original cast um, was very tight and and even when they disagreed or had drama, it still was uh, met with a lot of grace and a lot of humor and like you move on like, you know, like when you fight with a sibling or something like that. And then the subsequent like families since then or the subsequent cast members um, have been really great and have really like, you know, I would say for the most part been inserted into what was built if that makes sense so yes. sometimes it's easier if there's a culture that has been built first um if the culture that's been built first is kind of off then the people that come in have to work harder to change it if that makes sense but and it's already a culture of like you know you know uh togetherness i would say yeah and there's like so much like appreciation within that theater of like everyone who's been in the company of wicked because I um, worked an event at the Gershwin last year. And like, when you go up the stairs, there's like all these people's names who have done Wicked over the years, which is really cool. Yeah. Yes. So before I get into dancing, I want to mention 9 to 5, where, on your, where in your bio it says you got to work with Dolly Parton, which that's iconic. Yeah. So what was that experience like and what brought you to like a more countryside of mm -hmm. a musical? Um, I had been at Wicked for a really long time and had decided um, arbitrarily that I was going to leave on my birthday that year. Oh. Um, simply because I just wanted to do something else. I had been there, I think, two years at the time, maybe three years, something like that. And... I was like, I just, you know, I'm kind of ready to try something else. Um, and if I don't put a date on it, I'm just going to stay here because I was happy there and, you know, having a great time. But I felt like artistically I had to do other things. And so this audition came up and um, I had auditioned for Andy before. I had known Andy before that, I think. And he's he had always been so nice and, and you know another sort of like champion and somebody who would come up to me at auditions and you know express like that he wanted to work but you know like things like that <clears throat> and of course joe who uh also directed wicked i knew him and um and it was also like uh a feature like still ensemble but it was not um i got a chance i got an opportunity to um speak and have lines and be a part of like the tapestry a little bit more so I really wanted to do that because I had started to dip my toes into acting a little bit more once Wicked opened um 
And so I auditioned for those reasons. To be honest, I didn't know all that much about Dolly. I didn't grow up as somebody who like listened to her music or, I mean, I knew who she was obviously. And I knew what some of her songs were, but I didn't really know that much about her, um, her life or her music. so it, w- it really wasn't about that for me at the time. It was really more about Andy and Joe and the opportunity to play Maria. Um, and then the the other stuff came after. So once I got the job and once I was in the room with Dolly and once, you know, I obviously did my research and like started to dig deeper into her career and who she is as a person, then, you know, Oh my God. Like, then you're like, wow, what is, what is, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's unbelievable and um, really quite the uh, leader in the room and generous and everything that you think she is, she is. Yeah. Yeah. There's like nothing. I feel like there's nothing that's not genuine about her when you like see her and in like interviews yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So when you started like exploring acting, how to dance? help with that? Um, That's a really good question. Uh, I actually think that dancers are like born to be actors or they have like a sort of, you know, we are actors, like whether we know it or not, we are, we are acting with our bodies um, and we are emoting with our bodies. So it's not like super foreign in that way. Um, and also I think that like a huge part of acting is, um, being able to like be in your body and be, um, like experience your physicality, your breath, your ability to, um, flow, uh, And so I think that dancers have that innately in their training, you know, where actors have to go to movement class or have to take a movement class or, you know, have Alexander technique or whatever. Like, I think that dancers come at it from a different, like a different vantage point. Um, I think that what we end up having to learn um, is how to use our voices because I think that dancers are often taught you know, the culture of dance is like, you don't speak. Like you just stay in the background, you know, and not that I think that that is a good thing, but a lot of the time it's, you know, dancers are not given permission in the room to express themselves in any way. You are, you just take it, you take the note, you take what you're being told, you take any kind of treatment, good or bad, um, which I hope changes over time. But, um, so learning how to use our voice, learning how to uh, value our point of view and use our um, voice as a way to um, communicate in a, in a different way, I think is um, the biggest challenge for some dancers. I wouldn't say every dancer. Um, But I would say that when I started, um, you know, I kind of started in, uh, it was just fun. Like I I, I wasn't really, I didn't have the pressure of 
well, now I'm going to do this. It was like um, Kathy Deach, who was in the show with me, um, she was taking a class with um, this guy, Matt Corzine, who was teaching Meisner in like a tiny room. He now has like a studio, but um, in a tiny room, just like a couple blocks away, and a couple of us from uh, Wicked as friends just like went for fun. Um, and I loved it. I loved, um, I loved experiencing it from the point of view of like play, which I think was very helpful in retrospect. Not, I didn't think this through, but like in retrospect, I think that stepping into something, anything from the perspective of play or um, curiosity or lack of expectation actually opens you up to experience the thing in real time in a way that is um, more attractive and more fulfilling, at least for me. Um, I think if I had stepped into it thinking like, what do I need to do? And where is this going to take me? And how am I going to do this? And am I good at it? Am I not good at it? Like, I, I think I would have had like a different trajectory. But for me, it was like, I'm I'm a dancer who is taking an acting class. At the time, I wasn't thinking that I have to choose one or the other or anything like that. Later, what ended up happening is that I got so interested in the acting and it was starting to become a thing. I got into voiceovers and like started to like book work and do that. Then that that started to bring up some questions in the industry that I think are like a whole other podcast um, because I think, or video, I don't know what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that going back to dancing, there's a huge disconnect between um, who we think is, in, is a worthy performer in terms of... Um, taking on certain material or certain work. So it's been, it still is, it's not as bad now because I've had done a lot of work to help, but in the beginning it, it was very uphill to try to tell people, no, I act. Like I'm not quote unquote, just a dancer. I'm not a dancer. Cause then they put you in this box, right? And it's very difficult for casting directors and people in the business to see you and take you seriously as anything other than that thing. Um, so that was very much uphill. And because of that, I felt like at a certain point I had to choose. And so I started to focus more on the acting and started to say no to some like dance opportunities, but that never really felt totally right to me because I love dance and I yeah, love dancing it's a specific part of, you. part of me. So for me, the journey was, oh, I'm doing this as like, I'm curious about this thing. And then it was like, oh, I love this thing. Oh, I'm not, I have to make this choice, I think, which is not true. But I thought at the time, like, oh, I have to make this choice. So I started to make these choices. Like, oh, I'm going to be more of an actor. I'm going to focus more on that. I'm going to do more of that. And then cut to like, I don't have to, I don't have to do any of that. I can, I can claim the things that I want to do and put it out into the world that I wear a lot of hats. Now, 
I say that as if it's, it was like a totally conscious, like easy decision to make, but I think that it happened over small increments over time. And in addition to that, I think that our culture was more accepting of what has now become like a term of, you know, multi-hyphenate. When I was younger, multi-hyphenate didn't exist. That like wasn't a thing. Like you're one thing or another. Right. So this current generation has the benefit of being able to use that as um, part of the, or not use it, but I, I think there's an acceptance in the culture now that you can be more than one thing. You can, and, and even not even in the same industry, like you could be an actor and you could, you know, create skincare you know like it's like you can do anything you want now when i was coming up that was not really a thing that was something that i was trying to fight against and and tell people no you can be a multi-hyphenate yes you can do all of these things and so I like, think yeah, that, I right and i think that like going back to dancing that's what's most heartbreaking to me about the show is that i'm sad for us but i'm sad for the dance community at large because I do think that I was hopeful to be a part of something that was um, a change, right? Like a, a version of, um, look at these people that are able to do more than quote unquote, just dance. Look at how viable and entertaining and heartwarming and inspiring this type of person can be it is possible like so i was excited to be a part of something that said that to the industry and to the community um that wasn't just like worshiping you know singers that can belt a high z only you know it's like there's more than that there's other things and i think that when we when you go back in history the things that were uh, supported and loved the most were performers that were more than that and sometimes didn't even have those technical abilities. We've gotten to this place where we're like, people have to do these like technical feats in order to be considered quote unquote good um, or be pigeonholed into like a particular like category or name. Um, and so I think if you look back at like movie musicals and things like that, like you'll see that the people that are most interesting and the most um, that you can connect to the most, I think, are people who uh, just have that like human sparkle. And sometimes that doesn't look like the 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 norm these days. If that yeah. makes sense. like multi talented, like singing in the rain. Yeah that it doesn't need to be defined. You know, it doesn't, you don't need to define that like, in order to be worthy of acceptance, you have to have this many followers or hit this note in particular, or, you know, do 47 turns. Like that might be possible. And that's awesome. If you have all of those things, that's like amazing, right? But also there is, um, there is a life and a artistry that goes beyond those things. And I think that as audiences, we need to be more critical about what we support and 
what we want to connect with and see. So I, for one, for example, don't always want to go see a show where everything is exploding at me, you know, where the set is huge and the costumes are amazing and the performers are nailing it, but like it looks perfect. Yeah. Sometimes I want to go, I mean, the reason I love live theater and going back to the question about what dances outside of theater do you like, it's that, um, I'm going to use that word again, electricity. There's something that happens when you, when it's more pure and less refined and finesse and perfected out of a need to be safe and palatable. So a lot of the times shows are beautiful to look at and they're technically proficient, but they're also very, very safe. Um, I would prefer, you know, when audiences leave dance in and I see them and they come up to me, they are, there's so many layers of emotions going on for every particular person, depending on who I've talked to. And that's something that I did not experience in other shows where people feel like they've been seen or they've they're emotionally touched or like they want to go home and dance or they have questions about all kinds of things or where people that are non-binary come and they see colton and they're like oh my god like i didn't know that that was like that i'm on stage like what's happening so you know much representation within the show or two right yeah. i think that those things are vital and important and again electric so if you're walking out of a theater and you're feeling like oh, i i'm thinking about something or i'm you know in a very different way i worked on top dog underdog at the beginning of the year on the associate director side and that was a very similar feeling for me and it had nothing to do with dance or musical theater it was a straight play, but you hopefully, and I think the majority of people walked out of there like in a state of like, I need to talk. I need to digest this. I need to process this. I'm moved by it. I, I feel, you know, connected and like there's a part of me that understands something a little bit better. So to me, those kinds of productions and those types of performers are what I personally want to see sometimes i don't want to see the perfect high z or 87 turns if it, i'm not feeling anything yes um, so that's a super long-winded way of answering your question but um i think that it's vital and really really important well i think that also like brings up a good uh point i think that that's why people like seeing understudies nowadays too a lot on stage because like when you go to a performance and an understudy or like a standby who isn't normally on is performing, you like see this like new spark to the show. Yes, absolutely. Which is really cool. For sure. So I want to ask, do you think as, a, I mean, as in everything, like as, as both actor, dancing, dancer, someone who works behind the scenes, do you think that shows that are televised, like these dance shows that are televised, like Dancing with the Stars and stuff, and so you think you can dance, have and will continue to maybe help the narrative of dance become like more like,
like these people can do anything. They're not just dancers, but they can act and sing and do other stuff too. Oh, that's a loaded question. I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, I feel like Julianne Huff has kind of like done all of the things in recent years. So that's yeah. what I can. Yeah, I think, um, I think that it's hard to figure out, you know, there's, uh, and I think that everyone's going to have a different opinion about this. For me, I think that having um, dance and dancers out in the world is never a bad thing. Um, and I love that people at home can experience it and be inside of it and learn some, you know, stories from it. I think that where we get in trouble is that when it becomes a commercial endeavor and we are selling uh, viewership, it does taint the experience. So I would say that it's like, there's some really great stuff that comes from it. And I think that there's some not great stuff, if I'm honest, that comes from it. Um, I think that going back to our previous conversation, now are we, edu are we actually educating audiences about what they should truly expect or are we sensationalizing it? So are we taking these stories and making them um, more dramatic. Like, are we, are we That's reality TV <laughs> focusing on the reality TV aspect or are we actually looking at dance critically? And I think that there is a disservice that happens for audiences when they think that what they are sometimes watching they're being told that it's good, right? So if a, if a network or if a show or whatever is pushing a particular performer because their story is better and it's gonna be better viewership, but their, um, maybe their uh, performance quality and technique is still in the works, or like maybe there's someone else who's just like a better I hate to use better, but just like everyone is at a different place at different times, right? And not everybody could be amazing at the same time. You know, I've certainly had times in my life where I'm not, you know, I'm not in shape or I'm not whatever, and that's okay, right? But but I think that we have to be careful in the in the TV and in the social media world when we are telling people what to think as supposed experts in the field um, because we run into a little bit of, you know, and I know this because I've talked to people that are like not in, in the industry that are like, oh, I, you know, I loved X or I thought this was amazing. And I'm like, yeah, but. That's because you're being told. That's a trick, you know, like, yeah. So they did, going back to our conversation, 47 turns, but like their foot wasn't pointed they were spinning, not turning. I felt nothing. 
because they were busy being told that those 47 turns were were important. So it's not about the performer. The performer, unfortunately, is delivering what they think is needed of them, right? So it's about giving the performers permission as well to like be themselves and show themselves in the work. But we're putting so much pressure on performers to do what what the commercial world wants to sell that I think that it can be a trap. Um, I love Dancing with the Stars. I think it's super fun. Um, That's a different show altogether. Um, Oh, yeah. Because it's like all the, like, it's very, I feel like, at the end of the day, not reality because it is produced. Like, the producers are at the core of a lot of the decisions, which then loses it then loses its reality aspect. Yeah. You know, so I think I would say that like to answer your question, I think that shows or um, experiences, because it can be social, it can be YouTube, it can be whatever, shows that um, try to capture what dancers actually do authentically are more appealing to me um, than shows that are trying to sell an idea or a story. Cause I think that that can get, that can get dangerous and it's person by person. I wouldn't say that it's across the board. Um, it's certainly given a lot of talented choreographers, a vehicle to be seen. It's given a lot of dancers, a vehicle to be seen. It's given a lot of, um, households uh ideas into like dance exists in the world and we should celebrate it and we should move and look how fun it is like there's a lot of joy and beauty and goodness in it too it's just that i worry about um a culture that isn't thinking critically as an audience already um not being um like enforcing that versus talking about like the idea that like dancers are athletes and the amount of work and sacrifice and dedication that goes into it and how to discern between, you know, a performance that is maybe not as refined as another based on artistic qualities and technique versus tricks and glitz and, you know, when you watch, you know, you mentioned singing in the rain. When you watch Gene Kelly, like, like wow. it's like I tell my son all the time. I'm like, what do you like about it? Like, let's talk about it because I think it's important for. That's what I mean. It's like I, I, I think that there we are not teaching our kids or our audiences about, you know, the things that you learn when you are a student in those fields. You know where you're asked to look at things critically and think about them and compare them one to the other, you know, some of it is subjective, right? Like some of it is like, I liked it and maybe the person next to me didn't like it, but we can both agree on certain elements, right? Yeah. Um, And so it's a long-winded way of saying, like, I think it's a complicated thing that we're still figuring out. Definitely. And I highly suggest like for people who watch those shows, honestly, to like, because you did mention like dancers are athletes and it's cool to not only 
watch those shows but to also like follow the dancers on like social media and see the behind the scenes of like what they do like the real behind the scenes. first and although social you know it's not really real but but at least you get a glimpse you know hopefully you're following people who are a little bit more transparent than others yeah. but i think well, it's important to also understand like you know what you are seeing out in the world is also fabricated to a degree yeah so i would go a step further and say <clears throat> if you're interested I would say, go see as much as you can. Yes. Go and see it live. Go and experience it live. Go and take classes. If you can't take classes or are not interested in taking classes, then find programs where like, I think talkbacks are really informative. I think, um, you know, speaking to an actual performer is really important. Um, and, and just like trusting your own gut, like, you know, I, I talk to people a lot that are like, when I ask them, like, well, what it, you know, I love to go to the theater with people that are like not in the business because I like to know what they think. And it's, it's like interesting. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting to me that a lot of the time they feel like they should say something. So they, they usually answer questions from the perspective of like, I think I'm trying to tell you something that I'm supposed to be saying because it's, I think what I've been told I'm supposed to like, like, oh, that moment in the show was like really spectacular. And then when I say, did you really think it was spectacular? Like, what did you find about it? And then we dive a little deeper. Then you find out that they're like, I really, I didn't get it. <laughs> and you're like, right. So just trust that, trust that like, you didn't get it, but you're being fed the narrative that bigger is better, more comp, more information is better, more turns are better, more height is better. Like that's not always necessarily better. It can be, that's you know, but you you have to be able to discern that I think, um, and that and to give ourselves permission to um, critically think about what we like and what we support. You know, I. I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday that's in the business um, that we were having this very same discussion about like, um, just because it's a lot like this elaborate thing and this um, expensive showcase doesn't make it good. Yep. Yeah, it's the, I mean, it's everything coming together, honestly. Yeah. And it can make it good. Like Wicked is a good example of like, that is a big show with a lot of amazing things. There's lots of high notes and technical things. Like that is a splashy, it's splashy, but it works. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of other stuff. There's a lot of heart, about, you know, and it all comes together. But there are other situations where I think we need to be able to say as an audience, this, it doesn't work. I'm not going to keep buying these tickets for 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 these particular productions that are telling me that they're good based on all of this extra, right? So we need to be more critical about, oh, I went to see this thing and and it was good. I didn't love it. And it's okay to say that because I think that that's how we are able as a community to grow the culture and evolve the culture. And so right now with Dance and Close In, I'm on this like 
soapbox because I do think that people have come to see a show that they really love and really enjoy. And it's important to talk about that and to have, uh, you know, if you're a person who's choosing what show am I going to see, right? Like you've got five or six, seven, 10, 20 shows that you're looking at on the roster, right? And you have friends who are in the theater and you're all trying to decide like what you're going to see. I would say like, take a step back and make sure that you're making a decision that's based on the quality of the experience that you're going to have and that it's not dictated by the size of the glitz or the name above the title. Yep. If the name above the title happens to be moving you, that's fine. I don't have anything against that. I just think that it can't be the only thing. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to go see like, to use a really random name, like, uh, I don't know, Beyonce in X show because it's Beyonce. It's like, well, she's awesome. But But, have you, are you going to see that show and that person in that show and you're ready for that experience? Or are you only making that decision based on that name? It's a, it's a, it's a nuanced thing, right? Are you going to actually enjoy the show or are you just going because you want to- Like if everyone's told you that the, that the show is not um, succeeding, which honestly is most of the time because it's a very difficult thing to do well um, and takes a lot of things to be in line. And that's why it's beautiful and incredible and worth doing. But if you know already that something isn't necessarily working, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go support it or should go see it. It's just, what I'm saying is like, I just want people to think more. And sometimes there's no thinking. It's, I'm not even gonna think about what the other options are because this, this is the name I'm going to see. And I'm saying, go see the name if you're interested in what that name is doing in that show. But don't just blindly be like, I don't know anything about this show. I'm just gonna go see so-and-so. It's like, I want more from people. Yeah. I want people to like have a more complete, thoughtful experience than just the commercial selling of things. And I think, I think the people like, above like yeah like the names on these billboards like yeah they want to they want to see people coming for them but also they want people to like truly appreciate the art at the end of the day too yeah and and i and i do think that it's messy and sloppy right at first trying to navigate like because it's not so simple as like celebrity being like you know an issue I think that it's important. We have to sell tickets, right? We want to keep the theater alive. People are interested in watching, um, you know, their favorite actor or whatever do a thing. I think that that's important and a part of it, right? But the nuance comes into like, to what degree do we only rely on that? We can't just depend on that, yeah. You know. Um, and then making sure that we as audiences help shape the culture and that we support the things that really move us and that we have critical conversations about 
what works and doesn't work for each individual, which is going to be totally different because in the end, that's going to help shape what we see on stage. You know, I think that people, especially in this country, are getting so, and I understand, right, because the tickets are so expensive that you want to feel like you've had an experience, right? And so I think that someone who's maybe been saving their money to come see a show maybe is like, well, when I go to see Wicked or when I go to see Lion King or when I go to see Harry Potter or any of the Disney shows, I'm sort of guaranteed this feeling that it was quote unquote worth it. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's why plays have a hard time because audiences are having trouble um, feeling like it's enough to have a theatrical experience that is intellectual and moving in your heart. It's like they want to see, they want to feel like I saved these $200 and it better be a spectacle. I don't care if the show is terrible. And so in this country, I think that we are getting very much in the sort of like in the habit of expecting more and more commercial selling. Um, and and I my hope is that the theater starts to um, find a way in which we can um, not get too far in that direction. Um, but I think that it starts with the audiences and the audiences being a little bit more like open, probably. more critical thinking, more open, more um, looking for more of an experience internally than an experience like externally. Um, and that they're able to decipher that. Sometimes I'm not sure that they're able to decipher that because of everything that we're being fed from everything in this country, right? Like everything in this country is like the bigger, the better. Like, you know, you need a burger that's like 10 stacks high, like, you know, like things like that. So, you know, I, that's my hope. My hope is that audiences can um, start to shape the culture a little bit, because if not, we're not, I don't think we're going to survive because there's only so much that you can do before it's not, um, before you can't afford it in any way. Um, the people making it and also the people seeing it. Yeah. So it starts to become um, prohibitive to people that want to see it and it becomes prohibitive to people that want to produce it because you can't tackle, you know, these massive productions um, that I don't think are necessary every time. You know, it's hard to compete with something like Disney, let's say. <laughs> and that's not to take anything away from Disney. I, I, I'm taking my son to every single Disney show. He loves them. I love yeah. them. I think they're spectacular. But I also think there's otherness there's so much more. to be supported. Yes, there's so much more. And I love Disney too. So I'm like yeah. a Disney kid. Oh, me too. Oh, it's the best. Oh my gosh. It's always magical and makes you feel good. And oh, like, yeah. what else, what else do you want? And they have the money to be able to produce things like that. So yeah. 
you know, it's it's just um, hard to compete with that. That's all. And inspires the next generation too. I feel like as well. Yeah. So before I wrap up, oh, I would... to answer your question about um, because you mentioned like uh, like musicals being taped, um, for for like live tapings or whatever. Uh, I have mixed feelings about that as well. I think that. On one hand, I love that it gives access to Everyone. a lot of people that would not have access otherwise. So in that way, I think it's beautiful and brilliant. And um, I think it should be made even more accessible um, than it currently is because it's still being commercialized to the extent that some people still can't see it. Um, so that that aspect of it, I think, is um, really important. The The flip side to that is that I think that no matter what you do, it does not translate. No. So no matter what, it's, I had... it could potentially be doing a disservice by having people that don't know theater have access and then say, eh. Well, yeah, yeah. Because I honestly, people were talking... I hadn't seen Hamilton for the longest time and I saw it on Disney plus and I was like, well, yeah, really like a live theater experience. And I'm like, I'm going to just turn this off. I probably have to see this in person. And when I saw it in person, I loved it. Yeah. So I think that that's the part that's, that can be a little like, I, it concerns me to have somebody have that experience. Cause then they'll come to Broadway and say, Either I'll just watch that when it when they do it on Netflix, or they'll say, "I really didn't have I I don't get it." Yeah, I saw that show. I guess I don't like musical theater, or I guess I don't like theater, or I get you know like I want to give people the opportunity um, to come see it live. Yeah, to experience it. Yeah, which is I mean yeah, you know it's a three dimensional art form like in a two dimensional space, so it it just doesn't translate it's the same yeah. thing with dancers you know it's like when you there's whole like semesters now on filming for dance because it's such a particular thing because it's impossible to capture dance on film if it's not done particular in a in a particular way <laughs> yeah i mean live theater it's musical theater live theater it's called life for a reason <laughs> honestly before i wrap up i want to ask where can people follow you on social media to keep yeah. up with you and get more inspiration from you because like wow i can't wait to put this out and for people to listen because yeah. i've just been like taking everything in and been like so like thinking about what you have to say and i'll probably be thinking about this conversation literally all weekend yeah, I love, I actually was just thinking about um, restructuring. I mean, my wife's like, call it so old, but I, I really uh, <clears throat> enjoy the interactive aspect of it and the conversation aspect of social media and being able to like learn from what other people think and to have critical conversations. Like, I think it's important in that way. So, they can across all platforms, although I don't really use 
Twitter. I'm very rarely Facebook, um, and I don't. I I go on Pinterest, but I don't use it as like a social app. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram, and that would be my full name. So it's at I O A N A, another A for my last name. So it's a double A. L-F-O-N-S-O. So it's at Ioana Alfonso. And then my website, you can find me on there too. And I think there's a way to um, like input your, your image. Next couple of months, I plan to put out like newsletters and stuff like that. You can do, um, I think that, not I think, let me look. Uh, God, I should be better at this. Yeah, so it's my full name. It's um, IoanaAlfonso.com. Yes, and oh my gosh, it's so well done. Oh, thanks. It needs, um, I'm, I need to redo, um, no, but... in the next four months, <clears throat> but I'm hoping to make it more of a, um, behind the scenes. Like lately I've just been interested in, in really having more of like a human experience because a lot of my website material in the past has been a, more of like a like a resume, like, oh, here's all, you know, the information that you need to know about me for work purposes. But I think I'm going to redesign it in a way that lets you into like the process a little bit more and then allows you to like ask questions and stuff like that. Because I think that um, I really want to focus on just connecting with people more. Um, and so it'll be like, you know, if you click on dancing or top dog or whatever, you can, it'll open up into like, kind of like a dollhouse where you'll see photos and you know things that thoughts that I've had about that particular production and then hopefully people can be can like give feedback like oh I didn't think about this or what if this happened and maybe we can all collaborate and create stuff together so for me it's about like the human connection a little bit more so I I, I want to do that more than just like like world where we're all like look at my perfect life right it's like, like so yeah this is not it like let's talk about the real stuff you know there's a lot of failure a lot of disappointment a lot of process that goes on and i think that's way more important and way more interesting to let people know that they're not alone and that we're all like literally the same yes so I want to wrap up with the dancing question. So how has Bob Fosse's choreography like inspired and influenced you as, I mean, a person? Yeah. Um, oh God, in so many ways. I would say the mind, although like my brain is exploding with, things. Um, I would say that doing his work has been mostly about uh, being truthful. There's something about the way that he choreographs and what his movement requires to do well that requires the performer. I think this is why it's so difficult it's very exposing, right? So if you are, even if it's something as minimal as like a shoulder roll or a wrist, if you are just doing the movement, it doesn't work. It doesn't translate, it's kind of boring. But if you are connected to it on a energetic, 
spiritual emotional level um and you understand where that movement is coming from as a person and as an actor then it works right so it's reminded me and forced me to build the muscle of truth and along with that so truth you know then then is like the umbrella for like in order to be truthful then i have to be i have to trust that i am enough yeah that i don't have to put extra on it i don't have to make it something that it's not i have to trust that i am enough i have to trust that the material is enough i have to be truthful within the material um and i also have to give myself grace when it feels off because that's just part of it too right like part of what i love about this show and what we always talk about as a group is that no one performance is like the other and so there's a constant shift of where you are that day both physically and as a human being right like we're all the instrument right and so his work has really enforced that aspect in me that movement um can live in a place that is um just i guess just that reminder that i that that we as performers that i am enough you know yeah. that i that like what i bring to the table as long as it's truthful is impactful and beautiful and um worthy of expressing um that you know and then i could talk about like a gazillion other things about risk oh my gosh yeah and like a bunch of other things but that one to me is the one that every day i go out on the stage and i think has been a consistent um i wouldn't say challenge although maybe challenge is the right word like a consistent um thing to tackle is like you know, Wayne always says that to us. He's like, you don't have to add, you don't have to perform this. It's actually the total opposite. You know, Fosse, a lot of Fosse's work, like his head is down and it's because he never, he didn't want to look outward. He was always feeling inward. <coughs> so I think that um, is a beautiful um, challenge. Just, you know, how, how, how truthful and honest can you be about who you are in the movement and not yeah. anybody else or any picture that you're supposed to be supposedly making you know i think that we're told to think of fossey from the perspective of like what people think it is which is like you know the black bowler hat and the you know the versions of chicago that we've seen or the yeah. versions of fossey that we've seen but if you really do your research back and you um look up the the work that he's done it's extremely versatile and the through line is like this truth this like every performer is different and every performer hopefully if they're doing it in a way that feels good to you as, as an art probably because they're inside it 
Yeah. So for me, it's like I just want to consistently be inside myself as a performer, um, not in a selfish way, but in a way that allows me to then be in a state of flow that I can give it all away um, without holding on. You can share and like inspire. Yeah. Yeah. And you can share it without like a sense of like, it's like ultimate. It sounds like it would be full of ego, but it's actually, I think, because you're just hopefully getting to a place where there's so much acceptance that it's not just accepting like that you're good at something. It's also just saying like, this is where, this is where this lives right now within the context of what I need to do. But it's okay, right? Like it feels different today and that's okay. And it may be, you know, it may be uncomfortable. It may not, it may throw you off and that's okay too. It's all very beautiful and in the moment. Um, and that way someone in the audience can be let in because, you know, unlike social media, our lives are not always like shiny and glossy. Like sometimes people need to be like a little bit. Yeah. It's a way to express like what you're going through every day. I feel like just like being up there. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining me and like offering so much inspiration. Your passion for like everything is amazing. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.